death, taxes, and Alabama winning football games in October. 41-9, your final score from the Arkansas game. And now the third Saturday in October, looming large Alabama big-time favorites over Tennessee. So in this episode of Pat's Interference, we're going to break down that Arkansas game for you. A lot of players looking really good. The team getting a little bit more healthy, and the rushing game looking really strong as we move into this latter part of the season. And then, of course, we're going to preview the Tennessee game. What's going on in Knoxville? Butch Jones's hot seat keeps getting hotter. Can Alabama warm it up even a little bit more? They're going to be in Bryant-Denny. What can we expect from the team? What are our score predictions? You know the drill by now. Got a good episode of Pat's Interference coming up for you. Do not go away. Hello, sports fans. Pat's Interference, Year 3, Episode 16. The Bama episode yet again three weeks in a row with a Bama episode to lead off with much promise of the national episode, but we'll see about the national episode. But you're listening to Pat's Interference. This is the uh, Alabama-Arkansas Review and Tennessee third Saturday in October preview. Very excited to bring this episode to you. As you know, if you've listened in the past, a very big game for both Brickman and myself. Uh, This weekend, as the rivalry with Tennessee is very real on this podcast, my name is Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Brickman. Yeah, this is going to be a tough podcast for me, especially talking about Tennessee, because as we know, as our avid listeners know, a lot of times I take the devil's advocate position on here. Um, This is going to be hard to be even even talk devil's advocate in this one because Tennessee's been such a dumpster fire the last four weeks actually all season long but even more so as the season goes on you know they just lost 15 to 9 to South Carolina we'll get more into that dumpster fire before we get into it first I just want to ask you because we've said this before how was your weekend man let's talk about ourselves for a minute it was nuts honestly it was crazy we had uh my students are on fall break so all of the uh broadcasts at High Point University are student run for the Big South Network when the students go on any sort of spring break, fall break, uh, holiday break, or Christmas break, as it should be, um, it, the, the streams are just, it's, you know, I've got, uh, let's see, tonight we had another one, and I had a women's basketball assistant coach running uh, camera. I had our director of development running replay. Uh, I had a sports information director who does some broadcasting. Uh, I had him as our broadcast. I mean, it's just, it's always crazy. So we had three of those sort of type games on Saturday, plus a senior day to take care of. Um, plus my dog has been not well. So all of those things sort of coming to a head this weekend, uh, made it for an interesting one, but got by with, uh, with, with, a, with a little help from my friends, honestly. Prayers uh, up for so Skylar, by the way. It was nice. She'll, she'll be fine. Well, she'll she's be a fine. Trooper. She's of course just, she'll be fine. But she's a mad woman. She's one a mad moment woman. of discomfort for that dog is too much. That dog is too much sweet of a soul. Well, thank you. How was your weekend? What did, what, what did yours look like? Man, it was, I went scuba diving for the first time in my life. I went That's rollerblading great. with Willem Dafoe, Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I was uh, courtside uh, for the final preseason games. You know, I, I actually got sure. to spend a little bit of time uh, doing, you know, just a little bit of talk over my favorite rap artists and, and movies with LeBron James. It was very cool. Just kidding. Sure. I worked. I worked. Yeah. <laughs> I worked well, too. So we yeah. were both working this weekend. Uh, those are all things I would have liked to do and all yes. maybe recent dreams I've had, but uh, they did not come to fruition at least this weekend. So eh, maybe hold out hope for this next one. Yeah, sure. Sure. Me especially. 
Me especially. I, I hope I don't get called into work this weekend or else they're going to be sorely disappointed. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, but, Brick, let's go ahead and talk about this Arkansas game. 41-9 to is your final score. Uh, Arkansas, the Razorbacks never really in it. Uh, another pretty, you know, what is becoming a ho-hum victory for Alabama with a 17-point first quarter. Um, you know, the first play from scrimmage going for Damian Harris 80 yards down the sideline for a touchdown and uh, never really looking back. Um, halftime score is 24 nothing. It's pretty much in the bag at that point. What do we take away from this game on the offensive side of the ball? Well, you know, this past weekend was uh, one filled with chaos across college football, obviously. Um, multiple top ten, to four top ten teams falling, lots of last-second field goals, and Alabama falling victim to the chaos, unfortunately. Arkansas scoring a touchdown against that defense is just was tough to watch. I'm just kidding. I'm being very sarcastic on this episode today, and I don't really understand why I'm in this kind of mood. Why am I being so sarcastic? Offensively, <laughs> offensively, no. I mean, you know, it had its uh, it had its peaks and valleys, but there were more peaks than valleys uh, when you know early in the game when it was still remotely competitive. Uh, 308 yards rushing. You and I will never complain about that kind of outpouring. Uh, five running backs all going over at least 30 yards. 7.2 yards per carry. Very few complaints there. Oh, there's not much to really nitpick there. Damian Harris put in two scores. Jalen Hurts had one. Najee Harris had one late. Um, our first, though, I do have to say, our first interception of the season. So Now, let me ask you about that end. interception. Do you think that's a bad play by Jalen Hurts or a great play by the Arkansas linebacker? Uh, give me one second. I believe it was, what, it was a linebacker, was it not? I think it was It was one of the linebackers. but um, it, it, it was a good play by the defender. I think it was... This is what I wanted to say about it. Now that it's coming back to me, obviously yes. it was. A, uh, sorry, it was, just to interject, it was a defensive back, Kevin Richardson the second. Oh, well, good job, Kevin Richardson the second. You've done what nobody else could do so far this year. He made a great play on the ball. He read it well. He dove it well. And uh, I think Jalen Hurts, as much as it sounds weird to say, I'm not. I'm not even mad about it. Like he needed to get the interception off his chest at some point. I'd rather it come when we're up three, four touchdowns against Arkansas than come, you know, say, against an Auburn team and we're only winning by a touchdown, or, God forbid, even later, or in a more important moment. Uh, Hertz did just kind of throw the ball over there. It wasn't a great read. It wasn't a great – it's almost like he just kind of mailed it over there. He just kind of – he hasn't been picked off this year. He needed to remember that he can be picked off. He needed to remember, hey, I okay – this can happen. He's had a couple close calls, yes. and especially against the one against Texas A&M that would have really been bad. So Right. He's not invincible. Yes. The monkey's off his back. It was inconsequential to the game and to the season all in all. I don't like to see him happen, but he was going to throw one eventually. And now sure. maybe this wakes something up in his mind. All right, you know, I can't just kind of flop it there, fling it over there. Something bad can still happen. Sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, overall, it's still a pretty good game for him. Had a had a great read option touchdown to run it in uh, for uh, to make it twenty four nothing right before halftime. Um, had another great rollout pass on a play action from Damius Harris, kind of rolled out to his right. I think I'm, you know, second and uh, I think it was second and five, second and six, um, hitting Henry Ruggs the third. Uh, sort of over by the goal line. Really, one thing that I've been impressed with so far this year is uh, his arm strength and accuracy. And what I mean by that is uh, when he puts a lot of mustard on the ball, 
it, it's going exactly where he wants it to go. You know, he especially could more the, than last year. It's it's definitely improved for people that are still kind of talking about that. It's it's right. improving. It's getting there, man. He could knock a bottle cap off of a toothpick with some of these passes he's playing. Um, very impressed with that development because uh, I never really felt that way last year. I felt like when he hummed it, it was either you know going to go four feet over the guy's head and Cal was going to have to make a great play on the ball, or it was going to you know get you know short hops to the wide receiver. Now I feel like those sort of bullet passes that he's making are really sort of finding their mark. And I think part of that is honestly just his confidence. And that's something you're seeing, you know, every Saturday now is Jalen Hurts confidence is growing. And if I'm another sec opponent or another uh, potential playoff team, uh, you know, it's, it, that's gotta be a concern is seeing Jalen Hurts feeling more comfortable throwing the football. All right. Well, since we're speaking of the passing game, here's a topic I wanted to get to this week. Um, wide receiver-wise, early in the game, all right, we all know what happened to Robert Foster last week. Worst game an Alabama player's had in a while, probably. Um, early in the game, uh, first quarter, Alabama was driving. It was a third down, and, and Hertz goes towards the end zone on a route that it looks like Robert Foster breaks off. I don't know if it was on the quarterback or the receiver, but the pass was nowhere near its intended target because there was a miscommunication. From that point, I don't remember seeing Robert Foster. After that, every time Alabama went four wide receivers were throwing the ball, it was Ridley, Judy, Ruggs, and Devontae Smith. That's three true freshmen. So we didn't hit the panic button last week, but we are seeing results from his poor play. He's getting passed up. Right, and you've you got to remember last week on the podcast, something we said was he's one mistake away. You know, he's one mistake away, and maybe that was the mistake. Maybe, you know, it didn't it didn't really matter what he did this week. They were going to give him another shot to make a spectacular play, and since he didn't make it, it was done. But um, I'm so torn about this. I think, uh, obviously, I think uh, Calvin Ridley and, um, you know, Cam Sims are very deserving. Uh, Jerry Judy is very deserving of the playing time he's getting. Um, Devonte Smith, I haven't seen enough from enough from really to kind of judge. Um, same with Henry Ruggs the third, but it, it is sort of, I don't know. It hurts not seeing him out there. Uh, but if he's not the best option, he's not the best option. You know, if there's one thing we've heard from Nick Saban, it's the fact that he's going to play the best 11 guys that he can put on the field at any given time. And if he feels like that's his best 11, you know, the guys won multiple national championships and SEC championships. I think we should believe them. Herbstreit kept saying it during the game. He kept saying that, um, you know, these freshmen, they're something to watch. There's three true freshmen. The team seems like they're more and more starting to trust uh, in later in these games and, and even towards the beginning of these games when it's close, you know, and, and we've seen it happen before. Here's the thing about that I'm going to remember about Robert Foster. I, I actually I, I feel very bad for the guy because we saw at the beginning of uh, 2015 he was going to come out and he was going to after um, uh, Cooper left he was our number one option at the beginning. He was going to be the guy. Yeah, he scored he two touchdowns in those first two games. He clearly had a rapport with Jake Coker, and then he got hurt. Right, him and Coker had something going there. He was getting eight nine targets a game. All of a sudden he gets hurt. And it's Calvin Ridley that steps up and takes those targets. He never really came back. He never really had any kind of rapport. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts. They've never seemed like they're quite on the same page. And now he's getting passed up with poor play. Right. 
I hate it for him. He has all the time. He's the number one recruit in this class. I do too. Um, but you know, like we said, Coach Saban has to play the best eleven players, and if he doesn't feel like Robert Foster, and maybe you know, it's a situation where he benched him or didn't play him very much last week to get in his head and kind of you know, psych him up and get him ready to go. But it's it's a messy situation if this is the thing that brings Robert Foster down. Uh, you know, and we mentioned a name last week, uh, Chris Black. Chris that, Black, yeah. You know, every day that we get a little bit closer to what it seems like this is going to be, you know, it, I kind of relate to Chris Black because it just, that's how it feels. But, you know, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it's not, uh, it, that it's, it's not a situation where he's got one bad game and that's it. Um, you know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him very much the rest of the season, depending on um, how everyone else plays. Now, if you've got a freshman who does something similar, I think you'll definitely see Robert Foster back in there a little bit more. But, you know, he's he's definitely playing behind the eight ball right now. All right. Next, mo- next thing we got to bring up, we have to bring it up. We, we would be remiss if we didn't because it went from, okay, come on, guys, to, all right, this is getting kind of annoying, to what is going on in the course of this game. Three muffed punts. Yes. Three muffed punts. Two from Henry Ruggs, so they take him out, they put in Trayvon Diggs, and then his first punt, he muffs it. Right. We lost one of them. What's going on there? You know, it reminds me of, uh, and I bring this name up every time I see a muffed punt, and I've told this story in the podcast before, but in 2000, I think it was either 2003 or 2004, uh, Alabama had a punt returner who is about two inches shorter than me. For those of you who just listened to the podcast and have never seen me before, I'm about five seven, and really, I'm about five six. We all yeah, say five you, seven, but you most use my all friends, bit of that five seven for some wonderful things, man. Thank you. But usually, we all say five seven with kind of a wink, wink and tongue in cheek. I'm five six. Brandon Book Brooks was shorter than I was, uh, much faster, but much shorter. There was about three or four games in a row where he muffed multiple punts. I mean, fair catches, you know, guys surrounding him, wide open, didn't matter. He muffed it, you know, and usually he would fall on it. But in that season, uh, I remember I looked up one day, there were only two touchdowns scored off of the seven muffed punts that he had that season. So... It's not a huge cause of concern for me because that was 2003 or 2004 when Alabama's defense was not what it is now. Uh, however, this is not something that can happen in big games. Luckily, Arkansas and Tennessee are not big games. Auburn will be a big game. Despite their loss to LSU this weekend, the Iron Bowl will be a big game this year. It cannot happen in the Iron Bowl. It cannot happen in the SEC Championship. So if we're going to work out these kinks, and if, you know, the coaching staff is going to send a message to these punt returners, uh, it needs to be during weeks like this. Uh, not, you know, in late December when we're prepping for a hopefully playoff appearance or any bowl game that we go to. Uh, you know, and this is the time to sort of work those things out. I'll say this. It's 11.39 p.m. right now in Tuscaloosa. I bet those two are still catching punts out at practice. Yes. I bet they're still standing out there with the machine catching punts, fair catching, running and catching them. Because, yeah, I mean, it just got – that was the big black eye in this game was, was just the, the sloppiness on special teams. And, and you're right about it happening in this game, and, and it probably won't be a huge problem the rest of the season. Um, 
I haven't been a big fan of our punt return game this year, but I don't think we've needed to use it. Maybe call me sentimental and I miss Eddie Jackson every time he touched the ball, but Ruggs and Diggs just haven't really excelled. They've been fine until the muffs came. Uh, we can move on from that. Anything else from this game? Oh, sorry. There's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Um, we can only we won't spend a ton of time on it, but I just want to give a big, huge shout out. One, Rashawn Evans looked healthy and lethal in this game. Yes, he was amazing. Two sacks on the game. Sean Dion Hamilton looked great, and uh, Mac Wilson is going to be a fantastic player at Alabama. Yes, uh, linebacking core looked great. One thing I do want to bring up, the AP uh, um, All-American team, midseason All-American team came out. Uh, if you have not looked at that roster, you need to. Uh, Alabama's snubbed. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. Um, multiple names left off the list. Jalen Hurts and Damian Harris both left off the list. Calvin Ridley left off the list for first and second team, this is. Um, Darren, uh, Deron Payne uh, is on the second team. Um, I think Alabama had one first-team midseason All-American. That's Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. It is an absolute slap in the face to, in my opinion, the linebacking core. And weirdly enough, uh, second team, and no, you know, nothing against or not a knock on this guy at all, uh, Levi Wallace on the second-team All-American list for the midseason. I don't know. If you go look at the roster, but the linebacking core has been snubbed. Sean Dillon Hamilton and Rashawn Evans have been great. Uh, when they've been healthy, and maybe that had something to play in with it, but it just was a slap in the face when I was looking over that roster today. It There's definitely no re- did for Evans. I think if Evans played every game this season, he'd probably be on one of those two teams, and Hamilton's only been solid. There have been a lot of quote-unquote great linebackers this year, I suppose. Um, running backs, there have been a ton of good running backs, but I think you got to at least have Damian Harris on that second team for what he's been doing. So yes, I wouldn't put him, on, I wouldn't put him over Bryce Love or Saquon Barkley for – first team no you gotta take well, I don't I don't know who was on that second team and I, I'm just not sold on Saquon Barkley yet I, I like him a lot he's my Heisman pick remember uh and I know how ridiculous that sounds but he has over double the amount of carries that Damian Harris does and only 24 more yards and three less rushing touchdowns now he's got a ton of receiving yards and that's and great this I think probably has over- more to do with the hype with the name and he is kind of carrying the team Yes, that probably I, is. I has, get that. Has to do with also, it. Damian Harris plays half of every single game. No, oh, he doesn't even play half. He's got he got nine carries in a game where he scored two touchdowns and was the player of the game. Yes. So, I don't know. That's it's frustrating to me. But moving on, uh, let's let's put a bow on the Arkansas game. Uh, nothing really to to write home about as far as field goal kicking goes. Papa Nasty hitting uh, two and all five extra points. Um, J.K. Scott with an average of 43-and-a-half um, with the longest punt of 55. You know, that's going to be something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the year since he has had two shanks and two pretty crucial games, um, or moments of those games, I should say. Uh, but, you know, nothing to write home about. Again, you did your job. Congrats. Go out and keep doing it, please. Uh, you know, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Mac Wilson with a great pick. Um you know, Henry Ruggs III looks like he's trying to figure it out on kick returns, but really just hasn't hit that cusp yet. Uh, so that's that's me putting a bow. Anything else you want to say on the Arkansas game? Nope, let's move on to Tennessee. Tennessee. I'm getting to go to this game this weekend. I'm very excited. It'll be my first time back in Sweet Home uh, since I graduated. That is uh, exciting. Holy cow. Yes, it is, the, it is the first time I'm back in Tuscaloosa since December 14th, 2014. 
Um, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. This is I'm your homecoming. Excited. This is this is my homecoming, and I'm I'm very very excited to see. Coming home again. Are you good? I thought that was pretty fire. It was okay. Uh, I no, I'm I'm really excited to go back. I uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how everything's changed. Um, you know, and ironically, I'm more interested to see what stayed exactly the same, not just with the football team, but just with the Tuscaloosa area and how things are run and things like that. Um, but I, I'm really excited to go back. One of the reasons why I'm excited to go back is Alabama is opening up as a 34 and a half point favorite. Brick, is that too much? That is the most underdog out of all the underdogs that Tennessee's been. They've been a lot of underdogs, especially since Kiffin left. That's a lot of underdogs they've been. This is the most of underdogs that they've been ever in their mm. hundred whatever, whatever years of football. They've been playing mm. football a long time in Knoxville. 34.5 is the most they've ever underdogged. I'm using underdog as a verb because you can do that with Tennessee. Sure. Um, that is, that's not too much. This team doesn't do anything very well except pass defense, but they haven't really played great quarterbacks yet. If we're being honest, the reason right. their pass defense looks as good as it is is because they haven't played a passer yet. Yeah. Anyway. No, that you, the question you asked me is that too much? It's not too much. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Honestly, I. Ugh, uh, it's it's almost. No, I'm not going to say that. Hmm. It's not sad to me at all that Tennessee is this bad. In fact, I find it very funny. Of course, period. of course. You hate Tennessee more than you hate. Um, I don't know. Uh, water moccasins. I'm going to ooh, that's a that's a toss up. I hate snakes. Uh but here's what I will say about Tennessee. They are at a unique situation where their new quarterback is Quentin or Quentin Dormandy has obviously had his drama and decided his services are no longer needed at Tennessee and he will be seeking to transfer. Is that official? Was that a, was that made official? I have not seen anything official, but those are most of the rumors that I'm seeing. Is that he's trying to find a good place to land, and he's not rushing his decision. Oh, so he's Jalen hurting it. He's getting out of there. Yes, uh, Jared, uh, help me, Garantano, Garantano. I think it's Garantano. Yeah, uh, is now the quarterback. A little bit more of a mobile guy. That the reason I say they're in a unique situation is there's not a ton of film on them. Um, the film that people do have show that he has a very bad offensive line and a very okay arm, but he's obviously very rattled because he got thrown into a situation in the middle of the season and he's a freshman. Bigger dude, 6'4", 200 pounds. Um, he's got 187 yards and a touchdown on the season, but Tennessee has not scored a touchdown in two games, and they've only scored uh, two in the last three games, and those two are against UMass. Um I don't know where Tennessee turns around at this point. Because, and I just want to talk about that for a second. I don't even want to talk about the Alabama game. Just right now, if you are a Tennessee fan, where is the bottom? What is rock bottom at this point? Because some would say, oh, it's when we got shut out against Georgia. I would say it's when you lost your rival by six uh, in a heartbreaker, thought you had everything figured out, 
and then barely snuck by UMass. Uh, that's when things got bad. Yeah, and then the icing on the top was was getting crushed by Georgia at home. And Obliterated. They, they didn't show any fight. They didn't show anything. I mean, they showed nothing. nothing. It's not even like so. A lot there of people was would say in the game. It was it was it was zero, and that's the first zero I've seen from Tennessee. Even in their losses, they've shown fight. That was the first zero I'd seen from them. Right. So, a lot of people would say that is rock bottom, but now you're still hanging on to a coach that has led you to the to the record you've got, to those scores that I just read off. You're sticking with this guy, and it's not healthy. So now you're creating more of a rock bottom because, A, you're losing recruits uh, and recruiting prospects, and, B, you're becoming the laughingstock of the SEC. You know, And that is somewhat irreparable damage at some point for the foreseeable future. So I, as much as it hurts me to say this, I am scared for Tennessee because I don't think they realized how far they can plummet and hit rock bottom before they start bouncing back up. This is not, you were no longer a coaching switch away from fixing this. You were not going to somehow Alabama yourself into this situation or urban Meyer yourself into this situation. I don't think any amount of John Gruden's or chip Kelly's or Peyton Manning's or the return of Derek Dooley or Lane Kiffin will ever bring this back uh, to what it was in the late 90s. I think it is going to take a couple of coaching switches to rebuild that program. And that's where they wanted to start after Lane Kiffin left. And to look back now in the rear view, as a Tennessee fan, if you are that, for whatever reason, and say, my God, we are exactly where we were five, six years ago, has got to be the most haunting and frightening thing this close to Halloween that you've seen in years. <laughs> okay, so Tennessee, obviously, they were, I'll say this, they were worse, other than the Georgia game, they were a worse team with Dooley. Dooley was a worse coach than Butch Jones, much worse recruiter, much worse talent evaluator, all of those things. So they got Butch Jones, and he did a good job at the start. He got them some recruits. He got them some uh, moxie. He got them some swagger and some confidence. But he's reached. He he obviously peaked last year when they were undefeated going into Texas A&M, and they were ranked in the top ten. And everybody was calling him a threat in the East. They peaked there. Now it's been a very fast spiral down. And I told you this a couple weeks ago that they needed to cut the cord as soon as possible because. He got them out of Dooley, and I gave him credit for that, but he's getting them right back in. He's yeah. swan-diving right back into that same situation. He's a yeah. dead man walking, I think, at this point. Aside from winning Saturday's game, I think he's gone. I think one of the things that Tennessee's afraid of is doing what LSU just did. Firing a coach with no plan. Um, they're looking at it and going, we might as well keep him here. I don't think he stays at the end of the year. I just don't think there's any way. I don't think the fans will support the program. I think it, it would be a, an absolute disaster if they kept him next year. But they're not a coaching change away. Not a coach, at least, I think they can land. Yeah, I think Gary Patterson could fix him up in a couple years to a respectable rate. I don't think it'll get Gary Patterson. I don't yeah, think anybody to wants say, to touch Tennessee. Why would Tennessee. Gary Patterson go there? Well, I don't think anybody wants to touch Tennessee. Now, of course, Tennessee can offer him more money than he's getting at TCU, but... There's no, he doesn't even know if he could succeed. 
TCU, at least he can get, you know, Texas recruit. We're arguing a coach that I don't think they have a shot in Snowball's chance at getting. Tennessee has a lot of problems. And it's really a tough school to succeed in with the SEC's current state and being in the, the SEC West with Alabama. We've seen that beat better coaches than Butch Jones. They're just a mess, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do this devil's advocate thing with you this week. It really is because they have no life. Yeah, and it, it's it's tough to you. I, I hate them more than anyone. Than, more than anyone you've ever known, Brick, I hate Tennessee. It is painful for me to watch them struggle this much. You know, because it's almost like when, and I've got to imagine my big brother felt this way. You've got a little brother. When you're just beating them at something over and over and over again to the point where it's almost not fun anymore, that you just want to help them. <laughs> you know, to bring the San Antonio Spurs into this, it's a great story about Tim Duncan teaching some NBA player. <laughs> yes, yes. I forget. What is it? Who was I, it? It, w- it was some fringe guy that didn't make much noise in the league, but he, he, right. told this, he told this humorous story about Tim Duncan helping him up and down the court a couple times. Like, hey, lean into my body more. You'll, you'll get better separation in the end. Right. <laughs> That's almost what I want to do with Tennessee. Hey, fire Bush Jones now. Go recruit yourself a dual-threat quarterback who is not going to win you a lot of games, but is going to be a lot of flash and fire. Start building that recruiting class back and get back to the point where these games are fun to watch and they are competitive. I want Tennessee to be bad forever. I never want them to beat Alabama again. But I also don't want what's going to happen Saturday forever. I want it Saturday because I haven't been on campus in forever. I'm taking my girlfriend who has never seen an Alabama game live. And I want her to see absolute dominance. I want her to see absolute dominance. However... I do not want a 56 to nothing, you know, 51 to 7 game every single year. No, I That's only want that for the Iron Bowl. In a rivalry. Right. I just I'm I'm so torn in saying that, but it's true. And it's sad to watch a program like Tennessee that has such diehard fans just completely get demolished every single Saturday. That's as nice as I can be in this podcast towards Tennessee, and I hope you can appreciate that I put that much thought into it. No, that was big for you. I mean, you clearly okay. you've grown over the last three years, and I think the the listeners can see that. I'm going to tell you the two things that I think that Tennessee does uh, decent this year. They're running back John Kelly. He's the one guy on that offense that looks like he's trying. He's the only reason they've scored touchdowns this year. Without John Kelly, they'd be even worse. Right? He's good. He wouldn't be cracking Alabama's starting four good, but he's pretty good. Um, he's got some upside, and I think he could be a good player. Plus that receiver they have if they had a quarterback that could get him the ball. Uh, I'm forgetting his name right now, so that's how much of an impact he's made on me. But John Kelly has been great, uh, good to great at times. And like I mentioned, the pass defense has been successful. Granted, they have played the likes of Georgia Tech's and UMass's and even Georgia, who's not throwing the ball. So it's helped their numbers. But it's not like Jalen's a world beater through the air. So we've played worse pass... Sorry, we've yeah, we've definitely played worse pass defenses this season. I'm not going to do the normal, how can Tennessee win this game? I'd have to come up with a doomsday scenario. Normally I can come up with like a normal you know narrative here and there. Why does Alabama struggle? The only thing I can do is a doomsday, and that's Alabama turning the ball over seven times and killing themselves. 
That's it. It's a weird game to try to talk about because Tennessee has no life. Yes. It's so. yeah, it is tough to talk about. I think you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Their saving grace this year has been their running back who's very talented, John Kelly. 113 carries for a little over 5 550 yards, averaging about 5 yards a carry. His longest carry is only 38 yards, but he's got six touchdowns. Yeah, he 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 he's got him out of some tough spots. He played really but, well in that Georgia Tech game, and you know what I mean. Brick, when I ask you what a team needs to do to beat Alabama and what type of weapons they have to have, have you ever told me, oh, well, they need a good running back? No. Alabama is notorious for shutting down good running backs and just making it a non-factor. Look at we've got the number one we've got the number one rush defense again this year. We're ranked yes. first in rush defense. So it's not good to have your star guy be John Kelly. Now, like I said, their backup quarterback, there's not a lot of footage on him, and that's that's a huge plus. No, and we saw what happened when James Mond came in and had some success because we didn't have film to watch on him at A and M. But this Tennessee is not even remotely A and M this year. Right. And this isn't two years ago either. Right, Because remember, two years ago, Alabama was highly favored in Tuscaloosa. And with two and a half minutes left in that game, Alabama won the national championship this season, by the way. Two and a half minutes left in that game, the score was 14-13 Tennessee. But I don't even think that this could be that scenario, where they could just come in and just throw a band into the wind and play a really good, solid ball game, and Alabama has an off day, which is what happened that game until Derrick Henry took about a 20-yard run to the house and you know, sealed it late. And then remember bad. the, uh, who was it that Ashawn Robinson got the strip sack from Dobbs and that's what ended it. Remember that game? Yes. I don't think that can really, I, I, you know, that happened and Tennessee's had success. Remember Rocky block was a 12 to 10 game, but this is just a different lifeless Tennessee. They don't have Derek Barnett anymore. They don't have Josh Dobbs. They don't have Jalen Hurd who, you know, for as much as he ended up being a dud, and Kamara was great, they don't have those dudes anymore. And this team has not even tried to form an identity. At least the last two years, even though we hated Tennessee and they underperformed and they let us down, that team had an identity. That team had moments in their season where we went, Tennessee's playing good football. Tennessee's played one good half of football, and that was in the Georgia Tech game. And really, it was just Georgia Tech kept fumbling. Right. I don't know. They're in trouble. That's all I can say. 34 and a half points speaks for itself. Sure. Sure. It's bad. It's bad. Um, all right. Let me ask you. Score prediction. 48. 48-7. I'll give them the touchdown late. I mean, I'm just not yeah. I'm not feeling this game. I'm going, I'm going to go 52-10. I'm hoping they at least get a field goal and a touchdown. Uh, that's as nice as I can be. The rest of the week is pure, unadulterated, black as night hatred. <laughs> I think they'll play our third string a lot. That's why I gave them the touch. I think they'll be playing a lot of third stringers. Uh, They're going to yeah. keep their starters in so that the quarterback gets experience. Yes. I think they'll get the late touchdown, but, you know, it's just... Yeah. I'm usually I'm usually a bit more kind to our opponents and of course Nick Saban is doing what Nick Saban does, but we're not Nick Saban. We don't have a team to prepare for this game. Right. Nick Saban of course is saying kind of what I said, the running back's good, the passing game's good. You can throw out the record in a rivalry game. And I normally say that in a rivalry game. I'll say that about the Iron Bowl this year. I'll say you can throw the records out the window. This game could be weird. It could get weird. It probably won't. It could get weird. 
I don't want to say that about this. I don't want to play this game with you this week because you'll tell me stop and I'll only halfway believe what I'm saying. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've been sarcastic today and now I'm being real. Good. Good. Plus, I really don't like them. I don't like them either. Can I complain I... about their fan base real quick? Yep. <laughs> Why do they always think they're relevant? I don't know. The only thing they've done for me that's relevant this year is that I love Butch Jones because he's an unending source of entertainment. What with the Champions of Life, the Five Star Hearts. Did you hear his latest one? Oh, I have heard the latest one, yes. So they, they, they lost to South Carolina 15-9. to They didn't score a touchdown. It was three field goals. 15-9, to and Butch Jones says, we did everything we needed to do as a team to win that game except score touchdowns. Oh, I love him. Oh, God bless it. He's the best. It's, he's he's the best. He's Yes. He embodies their franchise so well. Or not their franchise, but their fan base so well. Because and they don't even the, know it. He is the delusional, psychopathic, I, I mean, just uh, not psychopathic, but uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Delusional sort of, um, optimist, I guess. Yeah. That just refuses to believe that the well, empire he takes, is dying. He takes crappy's coach speak to a new level. Yes. You know, he takes crappy kind of pandering, patronizing, like, things that, of course, high school coaches always... He's, he's, he talks like a, a, a 1A high school coach. Yes. Right? You got a bunch of 16-year-olds that just lost to a team that's way better, and the coach says things like that. Well, these guys, you know, they're they're champions of life, man. These are This is a good, good group of kids. And that works in 1A high school football. But in college football, where there's money and results that are expected from a team that, again, considers it's themselves a business. blue bloods... It's a business, and that's what people don't understand a lot about college athletics, and that it kind of pisses me off working in them. People are like, oh, well, how how can you do that? They're kids. Yeah, you're right. Yep, they are kids. Guess who's not a kid? Uh, the athletic director. Um, the SID who's got to cover them. You know, that's having to explain to people that are calling saying, what is this guy actually saying? Does he really believe this? And those people have to say, uh, yeah, he does. He believes they are <laughs> champions of life. For them, it is a business. And I understand all day long, I understand the people that are saying, oh, well, they're just kids or student athletes. They're there to grow. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. You're right. Uh, you know, they're not to grow. Uh, the people who have jobs that are trying to make money, that are trying not to get fired. I'm going to take it a step further. Right, yeah, sure, they're there to grow. If you want to go to a school just to grow, you're going to Tulane. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to go play big boy football in a big boy conference, you know, yeah, don't get, you know, don't, sure, don't send the kids death threats, but no, the results got to come or people are going to get mad. There's money invested in this. Yes. Um, so, it is a business, you know. period. That's how it is. And people who don't think so are, excuse me, they're morons. This is a business like anything else. This is like running an MLB baseball team, an NBA team. It is the same thing. Everyone from my little position as a multimedia coordinator to the compliance director to the director of development to the athletic director, it is a business. They want to win, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And you can't have a guy like Butch Jones at the helm if you want to win, period. 
This is the best crap on Tennessee podcast we've ever done. This is because it's genuinely like for me, at least it's out of a place of love. I'm going to ask you this and then, we, then we're probably going to wrap it up here because we've done a lot of this. I've said it twice now. I'm going to say it again. Tennessee fans think they're a blue blood team and I'll throw this out there when they're good. They're one of those recognizable brands in college football. Now, they haven't been that level since the 90s, but they got the unique orange that we hate. They've got the song that we despise, and they've got the checkerboard end zones that are iconic when they're good. Are they a blue blood, though? No. No, No, those days are gone. Those days are gone. (laughs) But they Okay, I'm not arguing that they're a blue blood. I don't think they are either. I think there's like eight blue bloods. Uh, but their fans seem to think they are, and that's that's what I was originally complaining about. Yeah, that's it's, it's it a lot. It stinks to see a team with so much potential as a brand, though, be bad. Like, they have more brand potential than some other teams like Florida, in my opinion. Mm. Florida's just been much better over a lot longer. Yes. Um, Not this year, though. All right, that's it. I think we're just kind of running in circles now. Uh, you mind if um, uh, giving us our uh, our um, uh, uh, dog shelter of the week? Oh yes, absolutely. We got the we're going back to the hometown. Going back to the home, GM. Uh, we've got the Williamson County Animal Shelter. Williamson County is in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, covering uh, the Franklin, Tennessee area. Uh, they are at 106 Claude Yates Drive in Franklin, Tennessee. That's 37064. Phone number 615-790-5590. Great little website here. Lots of places to donate, uh, to adopt, to see the adoptable pets. They've got a calendar chalked full of events to go see their pets, to go donate, to go volunteer. All of these shelters we mentioned can absolutely use volunteers. Whether it's just helping them with their website, helping them with social media, going and cleaning out a dog's crate, going and taking a dog on a hike, going and just showing a dog a little bit of love. You know, every single pet, and not just dogs, cats too. I focus on dogs because I'm not a cat person, and I've got a dog that I rescued. She's laying right here, and she's very anxious to go to bed. She loves her bedtime. And you know why? Because she probably didn't really have a bedtime when she was in the shelter. If we're being honest, dogs were keeping her up. So she cherishes this time, and I get that. So I'm going to focus on the dogs. But it's a great shelter. Uh, they've got you know center information. Um, they've got a little bark park area. Um, you know, uh, I love websites with frequently asked questions, and they've got that. Their fees look uh, fairly reasonable. Um, you know, adoption fees for dogs and puppies are 85. Adult cats and kittens are 50. You're getting a bud for life for 85 bucks. Nice. All right. I want to say one thing that we can both agree on about Tennessee before we go. Okay. Smokey the dog is a good boy. He's He tries real he hard. He didn't do anything to deserve to have to be Tennessee's mascot. No, if you were not to at ask, all. If you were to ask Smokey the dog, he'd probably look at you and go, yeah, I wish I was a different team's yep. mascot. But yep. he's loyal because dogs are loyal, and he deserves props because he's a cute little good boy. He is. I feel is. bad for him. He got maybe born you can, re- the Maybe wrong you family. can rescue him from Knoxville. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, hard, I'll try and get that number. Yeah, try to try to see if we can maybe rescue him from Knoxville and at least send him to like Kentucky or something. I just rustled a lot of Tennessee feathers by saying that. That's fine. It's about <laughs> time someone did because uh, they're going nowhere real fast. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hey, Brick, if somebody wanted to connect with us on social media, how would they do that? Oh boy, there are just so many ways, man. First and foremost, patsinterference.com is where you can find everything you need to know about us. Our 
uh, podcasts play there, and um, that's a good place to go if you want to know about us. There's also Twitter, at PI underscore podcast. you got Facebook, at Pat's Interference. That's been apostrophe S, P-A-T apostrophe S, Interference. Um, on iTunes, you can listen to us, leave us a review there. That's how we want to grow this thing. Uh, if you're not on iTunes, maybe you're an Android user, you do have Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud, uh, depending on what app you want to download and listen to us on. Uh, we love that you you know, listen to us, that you keep listening. If you're a first-time listener, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, you know, just let us know what you think, how you would like to improve it, some things we're working on. Um, next year, we're going to have an intro for the beginning of our podcast, so we won't be kind of um, starting with uh, lyricless songs. And then uh, soundboard coming along, too, to kind of jazz up the, the, the... A lot more has to go into that than I originally said, so I'm having to do a little bit more research. I said I would have it up soon. From what I learned, it takes a little bit more than I thought. I thought it would be a lot easier. But we'll get one up and spruce everything up here pretty soon. Other than that, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, go ahead and leave us an iTunes review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, that really helps us grow the brand and sort of get the podcast name out there. Thank you so much for our new listeners. Uh, I know we got a couple people who have just started listening in. Uh, some who are just uh, you know avid college football fans that that love the sport. They're not really Alabama fans, but they just love uh, you know either love Patrick or myself or both of us or just the game of college football. And then, uh, you know, there's some people who don't know anything about college football, and they think this is a great way to learn. And uh, we hope we can sort of get you that. Again, so sorry about the last two weeks with the lack of uh, national podcasts. Brick and I, are, are we, we're kind of forced to do these late at night. And a lot of weeks, uh, you know, we're just not able to do that. But we'll always try and push out at least one a week and then come back the next week and apologize when we only do one. Thank you again so much for listening. And most of all, Pat, What you gonna say? Roll Tide. Yeah.